Chapter 15, Part 2 I will present several arguments that I desire to be weighed in the balance of reason and conscience. To be widely good is the great end of our creation. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians 2.10 Every creature answers the purpose of its creation. The star shines, the bird sings, and the plant bears. The purpose of life is service. He who does not answer his purpose in respect to usefulness cannot enjoy his purpose in respect to happiness. Seneca said that many people have lived long in the world who have not lived. They have done no good, or as Comenius said, they are a useless weight of earth. A useless person serves for nothing except to cumber the ground. Luke 13, 7. Because he is barren in figs, he will be fruitful in curses. Hebrews 6, 8. By mercifulness we resemble God, who is a God of mercy. He is said to delight in mercy. Micah 7, 18. His tender mercies are over all his works. Psalm 145, 9. He requires good for evil, like the clouds that receive polluted smog from us, but return it to us again in sweet showers. There is not a creature that lives that does not taste of the mercies of God. Ambrose said that every bird in its kind sings hymns of praise to God for his abundant goodness, but people and angels, in a more specific manner, taste the cream and heart of God's mercies. What earthly mercies you have received! Every time you draw your breath, you breathe in mercy. Every bit of bread you eat, the hand of mercy cuts it for you. You never drink except in a golden cup of mercy. What spiritual mercies God has enriched some of you with! You have received pardoning, adopting, and saving mercy. The picture of God's mercy can never be fully drawn. You cannot take the breadth of His mercy, for it is infinite, nor the height of it, for it reaches above the heavens, Psalm 108, 4, nor the length of it, for it is from everlasting to everlasting, Psalm 103, 17. The works of mercy are the glory of the Godhead. Moses prayed, Show me thy glory, Exodus 33, 18. God replied, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Exodus 33:19. God regards himself most glorious in the shining robes of his mercy. By works of mercy we resemble the God of mercy. We are told to draw our lines according to this image, be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Luke 6:36. Charity is a sacrifice. To do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Hebrews 13:16. When you are giving to the poor, it is as if you were praying and as if you were worshipping God. There are two types of sacrifices: expiatory, the sacrifice of Christ's blood, and gratulatory, expressing gratitude, the sacrifice of giving. Richard Greenham said that this is more acceptable to God than any other sacrifice. The angel said to Cornelius, Thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. Acts 10.4. The backs of the poor are the altar on which this sacrifice is to be offered. 
We ourselves live upon charity. Other creatures generously contribute to our needs. The sun does not have its light for itself, but for us. It enriches us with its golden beams. The earth brings us a fruitful crop, and to show how joyful a mother she is in bringing forth, the psalmist says, The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy, they also sing. Psalm 65, 13. One creature gives us wool, another oil, and another silk. We are pleased to go begging to the creation. Will every creature be for the good of man, but man only be for himself? How absurd and irrational this is! We are to extend our generosity by virtue of an association. That thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Isaiah 57. The poor are of the same clay. By a law of equity and empathy, the members contribute one to another. The eye conveys light to the body, the heart conveys blood, and the head conveys perspective. It is a dead member in the body that does not communicate to the rest. This is how it is in the body of Christ. Let no one think it is too far below him to care about the needs and necessities of others. It is mercy that desires that hand cut off that refuses to pluck a thorn out of the foot. It is spoken in the honor of that renowned princess, the Empress of Theodosius the Great, that she herself visited the sick and prepared relief for them with her own imperial hands. We are not lords of an estate, but stewards. How soon we may hear the word, Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Luke 16, 2. An estate is a talent to trade with. It is as dangerous to hide our talent as to spend it. Matthew 25, 25, 30. If the covetous person keeps his gold too long, it will begin to rust, and its rust will be a witness against him. James 5, 3. We can learn from the examples of others who have been known for acts of mercy and generosity. Our Lord Christ is a great example of charity. He was not more full of merit than of kindness. Emperor Trajan tore off a piece of his own robe to wrap his soldiers' wounds. Christ did more. He tore his flesh. He made a medicine of his body and blood to heal us. With his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Here was a pattern of charity without a parallel. The Jews are notable in this way. It is a rabbinical observation that those who live devoutly among the Jews distribute a tenth part of their wealth among the poor. Philo the Jew said that they give freely as if by giving they hope to receive some great reward. If the Jews who live without priest, without temple, and without Messiah are so devoted to works of mercy, will we not much more profess our faith in the blessed Messiah? Let me tell you about heathens. I have read that Titus Vespasian was so accustomed to works of mercy that once when he remembered that he had given nothing that day, he cried out, I have lost a day. It's reported about some of the Turks that they have servants whom they employ on purpose to inquire into what poor they have, and then they send relief to them. 
The Turks have a saying in their Quran that if people knew what a blessed thing it were to distribute alms, they would give some of their own flesh to relieve the poor. Should not a Christian's creed be better than a Turk's Quran? Let all this prevail upon you to do works of mercy. Believe me, it is a royal deed to help the fallen. When poor, needy creatures like Moses are laid in the ark of bulrushes, weeping and ready to sink in the waters of affliction, be as earthly saviors to them and draw them out of the waters with a golden cord. Let the milk of your mercy nurse the poor. Be like the trees of the sanctuary, both for food and medicine. Ezekiel 47, 12. When distressed and even starved souls are fainting, let your costly ingredients revive and carry life to them. Let others see the coats and garments that you have made for the poor. Acts 9, 39. The Sin of Unmercifulness The unmerciful person is an unthankful person, and what worse can be said? You to whom the Lord has given riches, your cup runs over, but you have a miserly heart and will not part with anything for good uses. It is as death to you to relieve those who are dying. Know that you are ungrateful in the highest degree. You are not fit for human society. Scripture has put unthankful and without natural affection in the same category. 2 Timothy 3, 2-3 God may regret that He ever gave such people wealth, and He may say, as in Hosea, Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will recover my wool and my flax. Hosea 2, 9 The unmerciful person lacks love for Christ. All people want others to think that they love Christ, and they would be very angry with those who would question their love. But do those who let the members of Christ starve love Christ? No. These people love their money more than Christ, and they come under that fearful anathema. 1 Corinthians 16:22. Lastly, I will use just one more argument to try to persuade you to do works of mercy, and that is the reward that follows deeds of charity. Giving alms is a glorious work, and let me assure you that it is not unfruitful work. Whatsoever is given to the poor is given to Christ. Inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Matthew 25, 40. The poor man's hand is Christ's treasury, and there's nothing lost that is put there. Whatever you give by stretching forth your hand on earth is as it were given in heaven. The text says that the merciful shall obtain mercy. In the Greek it is, they shall be bemercied. What is it that we need most? Is it not mercy, pardoning and saving mercy? What is it that we desire on our deathbed? Is it not mercy? You who show mercy will find mercy. You who pour in the oil of compassion to others, God will pour in the golden oil of salvation unto you. Matthew 7, 2. The Shunammite woman showed mercy to the prophet, and she received kindness from him another way. 2 Kings 4, 8-37. She welcomed him to her house, and he restored her dead child to life. Those who sow mercy 
will reap in kind. They shall obtain mercy. The kindness and mercifulness of God's nature is such that He will not allow anyone to lose. No kindness shown to Him will be ignored or unrewarded. God will be in no one's debt. For a cup of cold water, He will have a drink of Christ's warm blood to refresh His soul. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to the saints. Hebrews 6.10 God's mercy is a tender mercy, a pure mercy, and a rich mercy. Mercy will follow and overtake the merciful person. He will be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. The merciful man will be rewarded in this life. He will be blessed. Blessed in his person. Blessed is he that considers the poor. Psalm 41, 1. No matter where he goes, a blessing goes along with him. He is in favor with God. God casts a smiling look upon him. Blessed in his name. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Psalm 112, 6. When the miser's name will rot, the name of a merciful person will be embalmed with honor and will give forth its scent as the wine of Lebanon. Hosea 14, 7. Blessed in his estate, he will abound in all things. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Proverbs 11, 25. He will have the fat of the earth and the dew of heaven. He will not only have the venison, but he will also have the blessing. Blessed in his posterity. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Psalm 37, 26. Not only will he leave an estate behind, but he will leave a blessing behind to his children, and God will see that the transference of that blessing will not be cut off. Blessed in his activity. For this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. Deuteronomy 15, 10. The merciful man will be blessed in his building, planting, and journeying. Whatever he is doing, a blessing will empty itself upon him. Wherever he treads, there will be a rose. He will be a prosperous man. The honeycomb of blessing will be continually dropping upon him. Blessed with long life. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. Psalm 41, 2. He has helped to keep others alive, and God will keep him alive. Is there anything then lost by mercifulness? It spins out the silver thread of life. Many people are taken away sooner because of their unmercifulness, because their hearts are impoverished, their lives are shortened. The merciful person will also be rewarded in the life to come. Aristotle joined generosity and utility together. God will reward the merciful person hereafter, not for his works, but according to his works. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Revelation 20, 12. As God has a bottle to put our tears in, so He has a book to write our acts of charity in. As God will put a veil over His people's sins, so He will in free grace set a crown upon their works. 
The way to lay up is to lay out. Other parts of our possessions are left behind. Ecclesiastes 2.18 But that which is given to Christ's poor is stored up in heaven. This is a blessed kind of giving, for although it makes the wallet lighter, it makes the crown heavier. You who are mercifully inclined, remember the following in regard to whatever arms you distribute. You will have good security. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Proverbs 19.17. See also Ecclesiastes 11.1 and Luke 6.38. There is God's promise to save you harmless, which is better security than any public faith. Yet here we show our unbelief and atheism. We will not believe God's word. We commonly put our deeds of mercy among our desperate debts. You will be paid with oversupply. For a wedge of gold that you have parted with, you will have a weight of glory. For a cup of cold water, you will have rivers of pleasure that run at God's right hand forevermore. Psalm 16:10. The interest comes to infinitely more than the principal. Pliny wrote of a country in Africa where the people received a hundred and fifty-fold increase for every bushel of seed they sowed. For every penny you drop into Christ's treasury, you will receive above a thousand-fold increase. Your later crop of glory will be so great that although you are still reaping, you will never be able to store the whole harvest. Let all this convince rich people to honor the Lord with their substance. Before I conclude this subject, let me briefly lay down some rules concerning works of mercy. 1. Charity must be free. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Deuteronomy 15.10. That is, you must not be troubled at parting with your money. He who gives grievingly gives grudgingly. It's not a gift, but a tax. Charity must flow like spring water. The heart must be the spring, the hand the pipe, and the poor the cistern. God loveth a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9 7. Do not be like the crab apple that has all the sour juice squeezed and pressed out. You must not give to the poor as if you were handing over your wallet on the highway. Charity without willingness is a fine rather than an offering. It is doing penance rather than giving alms. Charity must be like the myrrh that drops from a tree without cutting or forcing. 2. We must give that which is our own. To deal bread to the hungry, it must be thy bread. Isaiah 58, 7. The word for alms in the Syriac signifies justice showing that alms must be from that which is justly gotten. Scripture puts them together, to do justly and to love mercy. Micah 6, 8. We mustn't make a sacrifice out of robbery, which is a sacrifice of sacrilege. I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. Isaiah 61, 8. He who will build an almshouse or hospital with money obtained unjustly displays the symbol of his pride and sets up the monument of his shame. 3. 
Do all in Christ and for Christ. Do all in Christ. Labor to be in Christ. We are accepted in Him. Ephesians 1 6. Origen, Chrysostom, and Peter Martyr affirmed that the best works not springing from faith are lost. The Pelagians asked Augustine whether it was sin in the heathen to clothe the naked. Augustine answered rightly, stating that doing good is not in itself simply evil, but proceeding from unbelief it becomes evil. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Titus 1.15 That fruit is most sweet and genuine that is brought forth in the vine. John 15.4 Out of Christ all our deeds of charity are only the fruit of the wild olive tree. They are not good works, but dead works. Do all for Christ, for His sake, that you may testify your love to Him. Love mellows and ripens our deeds of kindness. It makes them a precious perfume to God. As Mary, out of love, brought her ointments and sweet spices to anoint Christ's dead body, so, out of love to Christ, bring your ointments and anoint His living body, that is, the saints and members of His body. 4. Works of mercy are to be done in humility. Away with ostentation and show. The worm breeds in the finest fruit and the moth in the best cloth. Pride will creep in to our best things. Beware of this dead fly in the box of ointment. Ecclesiastes 10.1. When Moses' face shone, he put a veil over it. Exodus 34.30-35. While your light shines before men, and they see your good works, Matthew 5.16, cover yourselves with the veil of humility. Just as the silkworm, while she weaves her curious works, hides herself within the silk and is not seen, so we should hide ourselves from pride and vainglory. It was the sin of the Pharisees, while they were distributing alms, that they blew the trumpet. Matthew 6, 2. They did not give their alms, but sold them for applause. A proud man casts his bread upon the waters in the same way that a fisherman casts his hook upon the waters. He fishes for praise. I have read of a man named Cosimo de' Medici, a rich citizen of Florence, who confessed to a close friend of his that he built many magnificent structures and spent much on scholars and libraries, not for any love of learning, but to raise up for himself trophies of fame and renown. A humble soul denies himself and even devalues himself. He thinks how little it is he can do for God, and that if he could do more, it were only a due debt. Therefore, he looks upon all his works as if he had done nothing. The saints are brought in at the last day as disowning their works of charity. Lord, when saw we thee unhungered and fed thee? Matthew 25, 37. A good Christian not only empties his hand of arms, but he also empties his heart of pride. While he raises the poor out of the dust, he lays himself in the dust. Works of mercy must be like the cassia, which is a sweet spice, but grows low. 5. Give your alms wisely. It is said of the merciful man, He will guide his affairs with discretion. Psalm 112, 
5. There's a great deal of wisdom in distinguishing between those who have sinned themselves into poverty and those who are brought into poverty by the hand of God. Discretion in the distribution of alms consists of two things, one, finding out a proper object, and two, taking the right opportunity. Finding out a proper object comes under a double notion. Give to those who are in most need. Raise the hedge where it is lowest. Feed the lamp that is going out. Give to those to whom it may probably be more useful. We take time and effort upon a weak plant, yet not upon a dead plant. Raise up those who may help to build the house of Israel. Ruth 4.11 Those who may be pillars in church and state, not caterpillars that make you ashamed of your giving. Discretion in giving alms is to take the right opportunity. Give to charitable uses in time of health and prosperity. Distribute your silver and gold to the poor before the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl be broken. Ecclesiastes 12, 6. He who gives quickly gives twice. Make your hands your executors, not as some who reserve all they give until the term of life is ready to expire, and truly what is then bestowed is not given away, but is taken away by death. That's not charity, but necessity. Oh, do not so marry yourselves to money that you are resolved that nothing shall part you except death. Don't be like the meddler fruit that is never good until it is rotten. A covetous person may be compared to a Christmas box. He receives money, but does not part with any of it until death breaks this box in pieces, and then the silver and gold come tumbling out. Give in times of health. These are the arms that God takes notice of, and, as John Calvin said, puts in his book of accounts. And six, give thankfully. They should be more thankful who give alms than those who receive them. Gregory Nazianzen said that we should give a thank offering to God that we are among the givers and not receivers. Bless God for a willing mind. To have not only possessions, but also a heart, is cause for thanksgiving.